Mother Man. Hi, this is Doug. And this is Donna. And, and you're listening to Murder, Murder Metal, Metal Mayhem. Mayhem. Spreading faster than a case of the clap in a trailer court. Able to shatter eardrums within a 666 mile radius. A podcast more brutal than all the rest. It's Murder Metal Hell yeah, it's Tuesday, and we're throwing down a new Murder Metal Mayhem, and we're in Horns High Studios for the yeah. Horns High Podcast Network, so. Fucking A we are. Episode 209 going down tonight. I got Chris here with me, and Joey over there in Ohio at the 419 Studios. Joey, what's up? How you doing? Shit, fucking hanging out. Just... Making it through this winter. Fuck this winter. Oh, yeah, it's dude. cold as fuck here. I don't know about there. But. <laughs> oh, dude, it's been ridiculous. And if it's any consolation, Joey, I saw an article in our new newspaper here about some fool out there. It was like a, a video freeze frame of a guy stealing uh, catalytic converters. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, so they're yeah. doing it here just as much as in the 419, I bet. So oh, yeah. unfortunately, there's just a lot of craziness going down. But uh, good to see you, and uh, we're ready to do it tonight. We're going to try to see if we can avoid getting ourselves canceled tonight. So we're going <laughs> to make an effort. Joey, your girlfriend was was questioning if uh, if we're going to be able to pull this off without you know stepping in at all ten ways till Sunday. Yeah, she was curious, you know, <laughs> she, not not because not because we're fucking assholes, because we're stupid. No, no, I, I totally <laughs> well, agree. I would agree well, with that whole. We'll accidentally say something that pisses somebody off that we don't of realize. Course, right, right. Of course, not trying to at all. No, for sure. All right, well, what uh, what T-shirts we got on, Chris? I know uh, you're bundled up there, yeah. but what do you got but, going yeah, on? I forgot for a second. Oh, yeah, the uh, Gorgy Appetite for Gore shirt. Nice. Yeah, okay, fucking rocking it. Very nice. Joey, what do you got happening over there? Uh, I'm rocking this fucking Putrid Pile Tony Crossgrove shirt. Nice. Uh, I got Shit, yeah. Pretty, not pretty recently. and Got the Murder Machine clothing fucking hoodie. Got the fucking hat that Shawback and Courtney got me with the weed leaves all over Fuck it. Fuck yeah. Right. And also, I'm fucking rocking this. I got this fucking new Megadeth lighter oh, right shit, here. Oh, shit, Nice. That's dope. Uh, it's fu- I think this is like the fourth Megadeth lighter I had because I had the one. <laughs> Lasted remember, forever. And I was t- yeah, I talked about it on the podcast how it was the longest lasting Bic I ever had. <laughs> and then after that, S- Stephanie bought me a Megadeth lighter because she heard it on the podcast. Hell yeah, And dude. then, of course, I found... I found the Rust in Peace lighter, so you know I had to buy that you one. Gotta have Rust in Peace, of course. Then I saw this one. I saw this. I think at a head shop or maybe Circle K. I don't know. Uh, the other day, and I was like, "Oh, I need that too." So, nice, yeah. Megadeth. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. And I got a possessed shirt on tonight, um, just because. I just thought it was in kind of a death metal. Why not? Mood. Been listening to some death metal here lately. Sometimes more. you gotta pull some shirts out of the cobwebs. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't worn this one in a while, so. All right. Well, last week we did a good one with our buddy Tex. As always, when we do a prison story, Chris. Yes, sir. Got a call on him, and we did San Quentin last week, which was a good Quentin. And we did the the history of the place and some of the famous inmates there and some of the brutal shit that's gone on inside those walls. 
definitely a very iconic uh, U.S. prison. I mean, it's it's fucking right. notorious as hell. So that was a good one. And then, Joey, you did a good feature, and it was different. What did you do last week, man? I talked about Morrisound Studios uh, down in Tampa, Florida, and uh, everything that they did um, for death metal in the heyday of death metal, American death metal. Oh, shit, yeah, Fuck dude. Yeah. That was such a cool, like Chris was saying, like going through the releases and like in one year, like five, six, yeah. seven, like <laughs> epic Christ. fucking albums. Like, oh my God, you know? Yeah, like the first masterpiece. Yeah, like <laughs> almost every death album. I mean, like everyone but the first one. I mean, just like fucking yeah. ridiculous, you know? Even just that would be impressive, yeah. let alone all the other Everything stuff. Everything else was so much. Unbelievable. It, so. it blows my mind because I was I was sitting there the other day, I was working on some Goremonger tracks, and I was I was thinking about, you know, the Morris sound shit, and I was like, man, them dudes just got to sit there and watch people come in and lay down, like, the sickest shit constantly, and then, like, got to watch it unfold before every, their right. eyes, before anybody saw it. You right. Know? fucking crazy yeah it is crazy it really that was really really great and uh we had a good killer cage match as always and just the usual stupidity so yeah, we were yeah. passing like 900 to that one today so that was cool so thank you to those that have checked it out and you know tech's always good to have on ladies love it when Tex is on, and unless you want to get Tex cool coming to kick your ass, <laughs> yeah, LL Cool T. Unless you want Tex coming to whip your ass, you need to go listen to that episode if you have. So. All right, tonight we're going to be doing a feature on a very interesting case from Spokane, Washington. A person by the name of Donna Perry, a transgender woman who murdered three prostitutes many years before. Her surgery when she yeah. was Douglas Perry. So yep. tries this to use that is as different. Yeah, like yeah. What do you do, man? What do you do? Yeah, she's <laughs> like, I don't know anything about that, you know. And it's it's an interesting case. And I thought, you know, it's it's just so different. Why not do it? Um, you know, it's a story of violent murder, gun obsession to the fucking max. For, definitely. Wow. A case Loved that guns. <laughs> even the FBI was like completely like dumbfounded. Like they told them, like we've never done this before. Like, I don't know what. To good do. luck, you know. Let us know how you make out. <laughs> right. Give us some notes. Yeah, they were just dumbfounded because nobody had ever used that defense. You know about I was a different gender then. You know and all I was that. A different so person. Very very interesting. So, um, you know. Donna's trying to blame it on Doug, and you know it's it's very challenging for us tonight to do this without stepping in it. So right. we're going to do our best. We don't mean anything, you know. We're, this is what we do. We do you know dark humor. So if that's not your thing, then maybe you want to bow out of yeah, this one. So. It's probably get gonna... the fuck out of here. Hey. Yo, you <laughs> wasted three fucking aprons on that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have the horns tonight, and I'm going to be doing my feature on the incredible bass player of Cannibal Corpse, Mr. Alex Webster, Hell an yeah. absolute Hell yeah. fucking animal on on the bass. I mean, just an absolute beast. Um, I've got my Alex Webster Spectre bass here in the studio with me tonight, the one I used at the end of Low 12 there. I'll have to get some pictures to pop up. Yeah, we'll get some pictures, and uh, it's just cool seeing it. I really love that bass, and so we're going to talk about him in the metal segment and what he meant to extreme metal bass players and just musicians all around. 
And then he Joey definitely hung out at Morrisound too. Oh, yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, man. Um, and Joey, you got a good lost classic for us tonight. I got a lost classic tonight. Yep. Hell yeah. We'll do that in the metal segment. And we're going to be throwing down a new killer cage match tonight. Yes, sir. That's when we get a list of 75 killers, 75 objects for them to fight with, and a variable in the cage so they can fight till the death. It's always fun. And, Chris, we got listeners that provide some random numbers so yes, we know indeed. who's fighting. This evening we have the one and only Mrs. C.K. Laura <coughs> Kovacs fucking coming in. Hell yeah. Thank you, Laura. We got Ray, call me Daddy McFalls. Man. Fucking, there he goes again. Another one. And we got Clarence Dillon. Hell yeah. So, hell yeah. Thanks, y'all. We appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Y'all. Yeah, we Fuck appreciate yeah. it. Uh, we got a good one tonight in the cage, Joey. Who is fighting tonight? This should be interesting. And another well, one for- that let's try not to get ourselves in trouble <laughs> with. Uh, first up, we have Dennis Rader, BTK. Oh, hell yeah. While, while I was doing fucking you know, research for the case we're doing tonight, BTK definitely came up a few times in comparison models and shit. Right. right. Uh, and then he's going to be fighting up against fucking, you know, no disrespect, Tommy Karate. Hell Fuck yeah. Hey. Brutal motherfucker, that's for sure. The mob hitman. Who did I'm going to have to make sure he wins. Just so I don't <laughs> Yeah, we don't need it. We don't need it. Uh, this might be the only rigged killer cage match in killer cage match history. I mean, this is a mafia. Everything's rigged. <laughs> and, you know, not to let, you know, let the vowel at the end of my name impair my decision at all time. Now, uh, so this should be an epic beatdown. Uh, going to have a couple objects, Chris, and a variable, and even a song to make yeah, it interesting. Yeah. And we'll do that in the Mayhem segment. And big thanks to everyone out there that listens to us. We really do appreciate it. This week we're at about 2,500 listens, so Hell that yeah. was a good week. You guys are the shit. We know we're still idiots, but thank you for sticking around. That's right. And we do appreciate it. It's just so humbling to see these places that are in the top 10, you know, these cities all over the world, you know, Brisbane, Queensland in Australia has been on the list here lately. Uh, That uh, town in, um, uh, was it Norway? I'm just like completely blown away. Um, So thank you guys. Really, it's, it's, it's humbling. We're at 645,000 total listens, so we're getting closer to that 666, so thank you. And we got a good one, though, on our plate tonight, taking a little trip to the West, hoping to avoid a chick that likes to play with (laughs) guns and do some crazy shit. So, Chris? Oh, man, we should probably go cut our balls out before we murder people. (laughs) There we go. Oh, 
All right, Chris, yeah. a little love song there. Hell yeah, fucking forced gender reassignment by Cattle Decapitation. Yeah, perfect song for tonight. I Gotta mean, you're the it. one that said this last week. I Gotta was like, fuck it. yeah, Chris, good call. And anybody so. out there fucking listening, if you ain't watched that video, go check it out. Oh, my God, that's a, that's a tough one to watch, man. <laughs> go check that shit out. It's fucking brutal as Make fuck. Make sure you though. got your kids around. Yeah, and eat like spaghetti or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to be talking about the interesting case of Don. Donna Perry, as we mentioned, originally Douglas Perry and the murder of three prostitutes in Spokane, Washington over a four-month period in 1990. He had this obsession with guns stemming back to a fucked-up childhood that would end up doing him in later when he was Donna Perry uh, after his surgery. Uh, Very different kind of case for sure. And we're going to yeah. dig into this one and hopefully not dig ourselves in a fucking <laughs> hole that we can't get out of. But, Chris, we have seen serial killers blame their murders on an alter ego, you know, like Son of Sam and Gacy did, you know. But yeah, this, is this is a whole different level, man. Yeah, this is like the yeah, it's a transgender woman who started out born as a dude, but like fucking... Like, trying to use that as a defense, basically, like, we'll get into is basically, like, saying, like, I was born a dude, I made, like, a million, I made, like, $50 million as a dude. Now, so, in that case, you didn't make that money. Right. You're fucking, you're a whole different person now. That's somebody else's money. Oh, sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, but this is, like, <laughs> but, trying to erase some bad yeah, shit. Yeah, this is trying right? to erase some fucking <laughs> fucked up shit, like yeah so this is definitely different uh and like i said on a whole different level than than the gacy claiming the alter ego and some of that nonsense he tried to pull now joey do you think our true crime fans are going to know about this one i think this is a pretty obscure case dude i feel like it's pretty obscure too so i feel like you know maybe a first time for a lot of people um yeah maybe gained a little traction in the true crime field because of the the transgender fact and how big that's become you know in uh in our society in the last few years so maybe that brought a little more attention to it but um overall i think it's going to be a new case for a lot of people and interesting that there's been quite a bit of prostitute murderers in that whole area you know green river we're going to talk about it yates uh, which they actually confused some of these with right. Yates case, so we're going to get right, into that. Right. So uh, you know, it's that's a fascinating. Like, why is that the case? Like, what's in the fucking water over there that they're hey, fucking? We've done it before, <laughs> dude. Fucking there's b- there's bodies in the water over there. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. People now, don't be able to be looking for prostitutes, so they just <laughs> like for real. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it's it's like the perfect victim, you know. Um, now I know I've never heard I had never heard of this one before I just stumbled on it on YouTube like a lot of these I find Um, but you know when I saw it I knew it would be an interesting one a challenging one for us to do like I said because you know the way everybody wants to jump all over somebody for not being understanding and so forth We're, we're not talking about that we're just talking about a case that happened and we're not going to get into all that whole argument because it's a that's another day another I don't give a thing. Shit. Yeah, do what you want. I just basically. know you can't fucking care. use it as a defense, <laughs> right? So um, this is not a crazy high body count like a lot of these we do, but there are some other sensational parts about it, as we've been saying. So a lot of angles with this one. I thought it'd be a good one. 
Now, it's definitely a, a different kind of case. Yes, so. for sure, for sure. Now, there's not a lot of stuff out there on Donna Perry, um, but we're going to start with her story as Douglas Perry. She was, or he was born, um, 1952 in Omak, Washington, which is a pretty rural part of uh, of the state, northwest part of uh, Washington State. Uh, the family owned an orchard and a very the the documentary called it a hyper masculine type environment you know a lot of lumberjacks and you know right. people doing heavy construction you know so he was born in that sort of environment he was actually sexually abused by his own father which is so fucked up at age four and his dad died three years later so he's seven he loses his dad but what an awful yeah. fucking piece of shit he was which is weird because he still had some kind of bond because of the gun situation like, right even at that young of his age of an age dad take him out target practicing and shit and fucking teach him guns he was like so, a military gun expert right it had to be navy never mind <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah his dad got him really into this and it stayed with him obviously he became a really over the top with guns which we're going to get to and that's another thing you know I, I think all of us are you know all about you know people should be able to own guns that's you know their right. that you're right you know as long as it's legal do what you want so that whole <laughs> argument if you're going to try to get us uh, on a gotcha with that stuff uh, i don't know, care we don't care about that either um so his mom though dies uh she or she i'm sorry she was institutionalized with schizophrenia when he was very young so he is basically kind of bouncing around you know probably being raised by relatives or maybe even in the foster system out on the streets out on the like streets yeah i mean he was you know <laughs> not a good childhood that's for sure right so and chris yeah. we've done a lot of these cases with these uh guys I mean, in these fucked up environments man. the ratio to fucked up fucking childhoods and shit to good child is way off yeah yeah, like, <laughs> yeah this is definitely the norm yeah this is normal for serial killer fucking murder shit right like, definitely and then and a lot of them have the whole getting raped or sexually abused by your father or mother or yeah other uncle. fucking whatever yeah, you know yeah other relative whatever it started off like that and that's just basically how they're raised and born and they kind of desensitize it and makes to makes them think that that's the way fucking life is like yeah and i mean there's entire tv shows i know podcasts that weigh the whole you know are they born that way or was it their environment or right. kind of a combination nurture nature nurture versus nature exactly so you know, I think that that is, you know, definitely an argument to be made. But most of these guys, like you said, Chris, are a fucking train wreck when it comes to how they were raised, which is just terrible. Right. So as he's entering adulthood, he's getting into all sorts of trouble. Uh, he's doing shit, you know, as far back as 1974 when he would have been 21. Uh, but in 87, things get a little bit more involved. He's arrested for reckless endangerment. In 87, they bust him with 49 guns. Shit, yeah. And 20,000 rounds of ammunition and a pipe bomb in his hey, apartment. So, it's probably the one pipe bomb that got him in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, holy shit, Joey, that is quite the stash of freaking weapons there, man. Holy crap. 
I mean, from the beginning to the end, whether this is a male or a female at the certain time period, yeah, love one that thing, shit. W- love the guns the whole time. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> that's, that's the truth. Got, that's that's what, the one constant, and that's what fucking did that's him. That's what in. happens. So this yeah. dude is really into guns, weapons of all kind, but this is his first felony. So every time they arrest him, they're finding more and more weapons. They had the detectives on in that documentary I watched where they're like, every time we went there, there were more guns. Like, right. where the fuck is this guy getting all these guns? Like, the first time is 49. Like, beyond that, like, wow. Like, where, like, where did how, he get the money? How get all these fucking guns, Yeah, because he wasn't like a, you know, a rich dude. Like, right. he was like barely fucking getting by on like, he was getting uh, like that, disability. That's out there where, robbing people for guns. Yeah, so it's just, it's, it's just unbelievable. Um, you know, thousands of rounds every time, more weapons. In 94, he gets busted with dozens and dozens of weapons, including an AK-47. And when he talks about his guns, he talked about them like they were a lover, like oh, caring like caressing for him. them, like just like... Definitely <laughs> fucking weird. You know man. he was jacking off with the fucking gun. Oh, man, hand. he probably put the barrel in his butt. <laughs> very possible, very possible. But he was really into these guns. Beyond just like a guy that likes to shoot right. guns, okay. Probably take the muzzle loader and just fuck the muzzle loader because it's got a big opening. Just like I'm lubing up my fucking barrel, leave me alone. We might have to put him in the killer cage <laughs> match list uh, just because it'd be fun to have him in the uh, in the cage because right? you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> so, Joey, the psychiatrists at the prison are definitely fucking concerned about this dude, man. Yeah, they were trying to you know warn the people. Um, if he was going to get released or not, they were like, look, this guy, he has a definite hatred of, of, you know, women and prostitutes in general. And, uh, his, you know, a huge part of what he was mad about was the fact that they were able to reproduce something that no matter, you know, how much he would be able you know, he would never be able to do that himself. So he was kind of jealous of that. Right. And the fact that. He was like so fucking pissed off the fact that these women who sold their their pussies to people, you know, had this great fucking gift given to them in life, well, and they fucking just threw it away like that, you know? Yeah, fucking hated it. Yeah, the psychiatrists, like you said, they were warning him, and nobody wanted to fucking listen. Yeah, and Chris, when he's in prison, though, he's talking to his celly about some shit he had been doing. Yeah, yeah. He uh, fucking talked about that he killed nine prostitutes, fucking, uh, and where he put the bodies and everything. It was just fucked up because, like, a couple of them that he's claimed were actually ones that he did and said where the bodies were, and they never did anything about it. Like, oh shit, he actually knew what the fuck's going on. Right. So, that's yes. fucking nuts that, like, this dude's, like, admitting to it, at least three of them that they know of because right. like he said four they only know of three so right there could they be, said nine i mean for like her. a lot of these cases yeah. you know there could be a lot more we it, just don't really know you know but yeah they didn't he said the location of a couple bodies and nobody said did anything about it like oh shit let's check this guy out yeah that's definitely uh that's definitely fucked up um but you know there were prostitutes that he took back to his his apartment and so they were looking at all these weapons and freaking out and one actually flags a cop down to let him know about all these fucking guns at this dude's house 
And of course, and he the, just happened to be driving by as she's talking to the cop and shit. Right. <laughs> like, oh, hey, this fucking oh, dude. Yeah, they're like, hey, this fucking dude, you got to see that. Wait, there he fucking goes right there. Go, no, that's the guy. You need to check his ass out, bro. <laughs> yeah, and the cops know he's a felon, so he's not supposed to have any guns or ammunition. So that's how he keeps getting in trouble. And he's even got a crossbow here now. So yeah. he's, he's like going Game of Thrones on this shit. You know, he's all about it. Um, now, Joey, the way Perry had a thing for prostitutes, though, reminds me of Green River Killer, especially, you know, the way he kind of, you know, uh, hated on them and, like, looked down on them for what they were doing like Green River did. Yeah. Um, what do you prostitution, think? Prostitution, unfortunately, is, you know, like they say, it's a high-risk profession, and... The, there's a saturation of serial killers that that end up in places where there's a lot of prostitution. So, um, you know, in Washington where we're talking about, and you got people like Ridgeway and Yates, and there's a whole bunch from up in that area. Like yeah, you were Bundy. saying, you know, yeah, what's in the water and shit. But it's it's fucked up if you, if you look at it. Like you look at places like that. You look at New York. Um, just a lot of places where, you know, there's a lot of serial killer activity. There's also a lot of prostitution because right. unfortunately it kind of goes hand in hand, truck drivers with truck stops. Right. Oh the, yeah. The, the only thing I'll say that's kind of fucking, that kind of breaks that mold and kind of, uh, throws my theory out of whack is, you know, um, fucking Las Vegas, Sin City, where there's fucking prostitution everywhere. But it's legal. There's though. not real... The, yeah, but there's not really a ton of serial killers that I hear about coming out of there. That's a right? good point. I don't know if we've ever yeah. talked about a serial well, killer in Vegas. Well, like but. I said, fucking the prostitution's legal there, so it's like more regulated, and people want, people keep track of them more. They're that's just, true. They're not just yeah, out there doing all illegal the streets hiding from the cops. Yeah, they're actually being point. watched. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. government's getting that tax dollar, so right. they're going to be watching that uh, vagina there a little closer. You know. But you even see, like, up in, uh, you know, like, Alaska and shit up in fucking Juneau, or they're talking about where there's a, a huge, um, you know, consolidation of prostitution going on in the city or whatnot. Right. You, you hear about fucking killers fucking stalking oh, yeah. and hunting there, too. Very so. transient type of people, right. seasonal workers yeah. and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. It's just it's just interesting how you have these pockets like this, but what is it about the Washington state? Like, that's just weird. Um, So now there's this other, or uh, there was another serial killer, as we mentioned, going on. One of the ones you just said, Joey, Robert Yates, his crimes were going on around the same time. And initially, these murders were confused with the Yates murders. But the fact that Doug Perry killed his victims with a gun is a totally different kind of M.O. Um, So, like... I don't remember how Yates killed them, but I don't know if it was strangulation, which is the typical, you know, with with these kind of murders. Right. But I don't know. I don't know if you know, Joey, what Yates. I I don't remember. He's on the list. He's not on the schedule, but he's definitely one yeah, I'd like to do. do. Dude, when I was like looking for stuff about Perry, fucking, I, this is a podcast I never seen before. I was just like, I just want to see what they have to say or whatever. I'm listening to it, and it wasn't a very good podcast. I kept listening until it got to the point where they're like, yep, 
and they got it confused with the Green River Killer, Robert Yates. I was like, done. Uh, I was oh like, done, God. done. <laughs> yeah, I've had moments like that before. Like, like no. wait, you just called Robert Yates the Green River Killer? Yeah. You're done. <laughs> I mean, Yates killed 11 uh, that they know of. So, right, yeah, he's still. definitely a good one for one of these days. Um, but they had him confused for a while, you know. You can't confuse Ray Yates with Ridgeway, though. No. Come on, man. No, you really can't. <laughs> Now, Doug Perry killed uh, prostitute Yolanda Sapp in February of 1990. Uh, her body is found posed in a sexually explicit way where prostitutes were known to take customers for sex. Uh, she's 26 and a mother of two. Uh, she's got a drug problem, which, of course, is very common with prostitutes. Uh, but, you know, she's found in this remote area naked shot in the head three times her clothes purse and jewelry were never found so that's the first one that we know of that he did yeah, that's the one like she always had on a certain necklace or bracelets or whatever mm -hmm. and they couldn't find that shit yeah yeah and then chrissy strikes a month later though march of 90 what what does he do then uh yeah fucking uh she got found nikki lowe got found uh under the green street bridge right shot in the head with the 22 dude and like posed up like so everybody could see what was going on like mm -hmm. just stripped naked fucking well yeah. partially naked but yeah like he did the same thing like this is what i'm gonna do you need to see what happens to you women when, when you, you do fuck, this yeah, yeah when you do this yeah it's done. fucked up it really is like playing gods in a way right and Joey Doug Perry strikes yet again in May of 1990 with his last victim. And this one, she put up a fucking fight, man. What was the deal with her? Yeah, Kathy Brisp. Uh, she was um, she was a prostitute, but she was also you know a mom and a grandma by that point. But uh, he shot it's her probably because her daughter three was a times. prostitute too. Probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> Possibly. But he shot he shot her three times, like fucking in the head, chest, and in the arm. Yeah. But she's still trying to fight this guy off and Yeah, there was like a blood yeah. trail they followed, so she was yeah. like running away from him and fighting him and it was badass. But she did succumb to the fucking the injuries and did pass away unfortunately, but um yeah, she did. She put up a fight. Yeah, I mean, that definitely led to this whole thing blowing wide open because the police yeah. found all sorts of torn clothing kind of strewn all over the place. Like I said, signs of a struggle. Her skull is fractured. There were clumps of her hair found. Jesus. She ends up getting his DNA, though, under her fingernails, which is common with these kind of incidents. And at the time, and she of course, had fucking, she had chunks. Yeah, like chunks of fucking skin under her fucking, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and at the time, though, DNA is still very new, but they knew enough to save it all and do the testing, you know, when the, the, when the technology was more, you know, uh, you know state-of-the-art. And they knew the three victims were shot with a twenty-two. So, you know, they're seeing, obviously, the commonality here of, of these three victims in short order, all shot with a twenty-two, um, and these three murders though go cold. They don't have any other evidence. Um, you know, Doug Perry. Who the fuck it is? Like, yeah, they run. You know, they've even if they ran the DNA, well, they would have no. At that time, they weren't they, testing. They weren't it. doing that. Yeah, that's right. So I'm getting ahead of myself. So, um, so in two thousand though, Doug Perry finally decides he's done being a male, and he goes to Bangkok, Thailand. To have the gender reassignment surgery. 
in 2005, the police start going through some of those old cold cases, and this one gets another look, and that's when they submitted the DNA from Kathy Brisbo's fingernail clippings. And now that the DNA is in the system to see if there's a hit, they find out all three of them are matched. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's male DNA, so you know they definitely know that um, you know they know they have something to compare to, but they uh, at the time didn't have his DNA right. in their system. So the the police there, Chris, they they get the lab to do that full profile. Yeah, they got a full DNA male like male DNA profile, and they're like they ran it through the system, like you said, but. Perry's Doug Perry's DNA wasn't in the system because, like, now if you go to fucking prison, they you automatically give a DNA fucking right. sample and shit. Back then they didn't, so they had no reason to have his DNA right in there because they don't. The fact that they fucking even kept what they found at the crime scene is kind of great, amazing because they didn't know what to do with it. Sort right, of. like yeah. So they've got this half the puzzle, but they don't have yeah, anything to compare right. it to. So this crazy turn of events, though, Joey, this older woman is found buying ammo and an ammo clip, and this observant cop, I think he was off-duty, recognizes her, knows she's a felon and can't buy that stuff, so he arrests her and brings her into the police station. I mean, what was the... How crazy is that? Yeah, it's, it's why. I mean, this is totally unrelated to any of the murders at this point. Right. right. This is lit. This is literally just this. Uh, this officer. He was like, uh, "No, you're not allowed to possess those things." So, um, we're going to make sure that you know you are not going to possess those things. Plus, you got a whole fucking history of fucking being weapon happy and shit. Yeah, but so, uh, like, did they ever really say what after Donna? Like how they. That's where I'm confused too because I'm gonna. Get I I feel like he must have known her in some kind of personal aspect. That's very like, possible or, because or they knew could, of her. Yeah, because I, I, I didn't see anything about that. Like, okay, obviously Doug is a fairy or a fairy, <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> a fucking uh. felon. But what did Donna do to become a felon? Like, because. I don't that's think she it. did anything. It was that's just that her it. fingerprints, so just, it's her record yeah, that's still. that's not so helping she, your fucking case on your, what's coming up at all. So, like you said, I wonder if he knew her personally, because how else would he have known that she was a felon? You know, I don't know. Yeah. So, this is that's the, the one piece of the puzzle I was not able to figure out either. But regardless, they did know that. Yeah, and they right. fucking pulled know. her into the police station yeah. and got the DNA. Right. So, now she gets swabbed, and boom, they got a hit. But those cops... Cops are like, uh, like this. we got male DNA at the scene, but this is <laughs> this not is a, a male. Right. This, if you look at this video of the interrogation, you yeah. see her. I mean, she's pretty rough looking, but, you know, she was a street person. Yeah, yeah. You know, crazy cat lady, they called her, you know, so she's definitely rough. And so they thought that was a woman, so, and she was calling herself Donna, Donna Perry, Perry, you know, yeah. so... You know, I don't know if she legally changed her name or if that was oh, what I'm she sure called after, herself. I would, probably after it, probably legally. Yeah. Like everything else was fucking. Yeah, that makes how sense. How fucking, how uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if you could have played this off well enough or whatever. Be like, 
Oh yeah, Doug Perry. That was my brother. That's uh, why our DNA is the same. Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Just yeah, some yeah. fucking crazy elaborate yarn that they're oh, like, sure. okay, well, I guess we can't fucking say without reasonable fucking doubt that that's not true. You know? But, right. Right. Yeah, I don't know. That would that would definitely be some fast uh, f- uh, footwork to come up with some shit like right. that. Right. So you know they they arrest her. And, you know, they've got her DNA, and they, they're starting to put it all together. Um, now, they've got, um, on each of the victims, actually, ironically, there's some little piece of evidence, because the first victim, uh, Yolanda Sapp, uh, he got uh, DNA on, on the blanket. So they got that. The second victim... Um, they got something on her. I think some of her clothing that was in the dumpster. Yeah, I doubt it was in garbage down the street. Yeah. yeah, and then of course the Kathy Brisbo with the fingernail clipping. So yeah, they got him at all three of these. Um, so I'm sure this was just you know at the at the time this happened, you know, not nearly as commonplace in discussion as it is nowadays. Right. You hear about this a lot more. You know, kids in school and all this. So this is you know. Um, you know, a thing that's much more prevalent now, at least in conversation. So this time, though, not so much. No, back. To, I mean, the nineties. Right? Yeah, the fucking. It's. I mean, it was a thing that people did, obviously, but it wasn't so. I guess mainstream. Well conceived. Yeah, mainstream or accepted. Accepted. Well accepted in the fucking society itself right. as a whole, basically, as yeah. compared to before. Yeah. I think so. So, you know, it's it's just really uh it's just really interesting to think about this case and all these things that make it so different than than everything that we've talked about typically. And Joey, the cops start going through the apartment of Donna Perry and they come across a closet that was sealed shut. Did you see that? Yeah, I had a whole bunch of fucking <clears throat> women's underwear, uh, just fucking memoirs from, you know, the prior murders right. that he did as Doug. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but they said they found a bunch, so like... Yeah, yeah they did. So he might have been like the pink giant that we're going to be doing uh, coming up, uh, <laughs> stealing women's underwear from the landfill. And and for all we know, I mean, he could have been he could have been stealing those from right, fucking right. other people, or you never know. To his his trophies to him for whatever reason he has trophies might not always been just because he murdered them, but right. And conquests. a woman having women's underwear in a closet isn't isn't unusual. But they started to realize some of these were tied to the murders, like mementos, right? You right. know, so that's definitely definitely interesting. Um. On the documentary I watched about it, um, they show her being interrogated, as I mentioned, in 2012. Um, And, you know, she's saying Doug is dead and that she's now Donna Perry. And she claims she has no memory of anything that Doug did. Um, And, you know, it's up to debate whether you think she was, like, legitimately saying this or if she was just playing it up as a defense you know i mean she's got to say something i mean they got her dna at each of the three murders i mean what the fuck else are you gonna do um but it's fascinating to watch she's definitely really wacky um and i'm assuming you know that that's what happened is more of a you know last ditch effort something to say when you're you know got backed into a corner um but you know as i mentioned the fbi was asked about this and they were told 
we've never encountered a, a defense like this. And they were the only thing they told him is to make sure you refer to her as a woman because of the fact that she had the surgery. So don't want, you don't want to get her all yeah. miffed at you and all that sort of thing. So that was the only thing that really the, the, the detective that I saw said that that was what they told him. Um, and Chris, I can't imagine, though, how difficult that would be as a police officer to not step in it. You know, you're an older guy. You're not really understanding that whole thing. Right. But still, you don't have to understand the whole transgender thing. DNA evidence is DNA evidence. That You did that as a person. You can try all you want and be like, no. That was somebody else. That was no. That was you, physically right. you, committed that sh- those acts, and there's True. nothing that can change that. Nothing at all. Right. Like no, you I did agree. that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100. percent So yeah, and um, Joey, I know you've talked before about how much you like to watch interrogation videos, but what did you think about that one, dude? Yeah, the one with, uh, you know, this one was interesting for sure. And you got somebody, you know, I mean, if you talk about it nowadays, there's like the transgender, or I I don't even, there's a lot of different gender things, but um, the ones that are like, say they have a dead name, like, you know what I'm saying? If you change your name and you call them by the name they were as a dude if they're now a girl or whatever right. they're like oh that's my dead that's my dead name you don't use that oh, wow. like oh yeah kevin and it's like no i'm Brittany. it's like no you're kevin yeah that's yeah. my dead name so 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 to think would people believe that this person once they transition all of a sudden flipped over to a you know what i'm saying maybe some of these people do believe that so yeah i'm not one to say one way or another because right. the it, it really blows my mind, but I'm with you guys. The fact is, the fucking DNA is out there. You know, right? It's the same fucking person. She's she's like, she was like, oh yeah, I don't know what Doug did. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like dude. to those women, so she wouldn't even admit to any part of it. And right. it's like, she, her whole thing was, look, once I went over there and got the surgery. That completely right. killed Wipe off that person. Yeah, uh, it, I was talking to Stephanie about it, and she was like, "Oh, because they were saying how you know uh, Donna was getting like seven hundred dollars a month social security or whatever at that time." And Stephanie's like, "Oh yeah, I bet she fucking wouldn't fucking say no to it being Doug's social security she's been getting the whole time, though." You know what I'm saying? Oh, right. Sure. If, like, if it came in Doug's name, that's not, not something she's pissed about. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What if so, she owed a bunch of money too? Like, as yeah. Doug, would she? Yeah. Would she assume that debt yeah. now? No, she'd fucking right. walk away. You know. So. But if somebody was giving Doug money, would take the money? Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's and somebody else. Conven- if it's convenient for you to say yeah. that, you know, I don't know. But like you said, some, Joey, somebody else was. I was talking to somebody else about it too, and they were saying, you know, they were like, "Oh well, if if all of a sudden I change my name and <clears throat> now I'm a different, you know, I'm Chuck, you know, now instead of you know Gloria or whatever, um, does that mean all of a sudden now I don't have my college degree anymore? I don't oh, have my right. my career in it? because that person is the one that accomplished all that. Exactly. So now I do, I, you know. Gotta so go it's get like immunized man, all over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Measles, so, mumps, so you got a shot, you know. It definitely seems selective as to what advantages you can, right? You know, take adv- or take advantage of, I guess. 
Um, not saying that that's the reason why these people are, you know, that do that at all, but no, no, in people, in people that can exploit it, like possibly the person we're talking about in this case, right? Then that is pretty convenient, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, they ain't nobody ever saw the fucking defense. This is the first time that anybody and and it's it's a head it's a head scratcher for like the prosecution for the defense even like how's this one gonna go like how's the jury what what's the jury think about all this yeah yeah it is I mean it's the breaking new ground. Um, So when the cops tell Donna about the DNA match, she actually she doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, they show her pictures of the victims. She denies knowing any of them. Like every one of them. Yeah. Like, nope, and nope, she nope. even goes as far to say that she wouldn't have anything to do with the black prostitute, but the first victim, Yolanda, uh, was, Yolanda Sapp, was black. Yeah. Um, and she brings up, you know, that she was abused as a child. And it seemed, you know, like we said, I mean, you get back anybody into a corner. I mean, anybody would do the same right. thing. You know, I'm not faulting her for trying to throw everything at it because what else are you going to do? They got you, you know, so you're going to say whatever you got to say to try to wiggle your way out of it. Um, and so, you know, she also says once uh, she started taking estrogen after the surgery, she has no memory of what happened to her as a male. So that doesn't make sense. That, you know, I don't. You know, that doesn't seem to to hold water it's with like, me. I, but I don't know. I've never taken. I don't estrogen. know what Doug did, know. but Donna won't do anything. There's no testosterone anymore. Like basically, like yeah, saying just shit. It's like, but you remember this. I see what you're doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you don't know. I mean, that's what uh, just that you know, like from her for an attorney, that whole reasonable doubt thing. Um, she says that the killing only stopped when Donna arrived. So it's this really weird conversation of her talking about her former male self and current female self. And, you know, like I said, something that had never happened before in a, in a criminal type of uh, defense. Um, you know, and she was saying uh, she was saying whenever she got the 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 reassignment surgery and stuff that 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 cured her of her right. uh, violent tendencies and right. shit. Right. And she, she was like she was like I went and got basically what she's saying is I went and had a procedure and I got cured. I had a problem and I went and got it taken care of. Right. Yeah. But I don't that, that's some fucking hard shit to fucking to to sell to people. Though. No, and the research has found that that's incorrect. That that doesn't do anything. Um as a matter of fact, right. I think in some studies they found it made it worse. So right. so that's all bullshit. Um, that she's claiming there. Um, but, you know, today we talk about people being, you know, identifying as both male and female, referring to themselves as they. So, you know, this is a lot more commonplace now, but back then certainly not. Uh, she breaks down eventually, um, says that she wants to die, uh, asks one of the detectives to leave his gun in the room so she could shoot herself. That's I mean, up. I didn't you know, even see that. Yeah, she said that toward the end of the interrogation. Um, definitely some wild shit. So if you want to watch, you know, some good interrogation stuff, uh, just search Donna Perry or Doug Perry in YouTube, and you'll see the first thing that comes up is probably the one that all three of us have watched. Uh, now, Chris, a criminologist on that documentary said that uh, Perry was killing the thing he hated, as we've been talking about. Women, but so he was jealous. Doug was jealous of women. Right. Then went and became a woman. 
so like mentally maybe might have thought that is a woman the whole time and after the surgery it's like okay i'm cool now so either way in your mind you were always donna because if you always if that's what made you better if donna came you were always donna too you were always doug and donna right so i think uh just because you're pissed off that you weren't born with the fucking anatomy to have a kid doesn't mean you got to go kill chicks. Right, exactly. Yeah, for sure. That leap is definitely a fucking strange one. That's for sure. And Joey, they also bring up the fact that Doug had a girlfriend, uh, Claire Ann. What was the deal with her? Because she was also a prostitute. She was a prostitute. And this is the one The one person it seems like... Uh, that there was an emotional attachment yeah. for, but the problem with it is that I guess it was more one-sided right, than Perry right. wanted to to admit to, because Claire Ann, you know, it was it was just a, a business transaction, and whenever they were together for, for her, yeah, but you know, um, something something to- about her was just fucking was, you know, struck struck a fucking uh, a nerve with him. Or stayed with him, and he just she was a glimmer in his eye. That was eye. the one he always remembered. Yeah, he tried it, to it get fucked her off up, the like, streets. Though it said he said sometimes he he'd did just drive yeah. up to her on the street and pick her up and throw her in the car because he didn't want yeah. her out there prostituting herself. He, he, and and he was you know said that he had a thing like he wasn't big on drugs. He didn't like people doing drugs, and that's the Claire Ann. He was trying to keep her away from a the prostitution and b you know getting fucked up and. You know, what do you want? Do you want to fucking impregnate Claire Ann and, you know, get her away from that whole lifestyle and actually have a kid, even though you can't have it in your own body? Like, what's the deal with it, you know, and why was it that this person stuck with you for so long? Yeah, why was he so obsessed with her about it that made him... Yeah, but she winds up leaving. She doesn't want anything to do because, like you said, Joey, it's it's one-sided, so she takes off and breaks his heart. Because he really did have feelings for her, and I wonder if that's when he kind of snapped. Um, you know, because I don't know if he was killing before he met her, or if that was after. But yeah, I wonder right. if that's what you know maybe made him snap and no, decide I, to be a, was, a woman. He and, started killing like after they were together. Okay. So yeah, that triggered something I think too, because she kept going at it, and yeah. now he's looking around at these other right other fucking hoes like fucking hate you guys like yeah. maybe he feels like she's watching them and he they're pulling her away from him so he's like now i gotta get rid of them yeah. to keep her right yeah it's a weird weird situation here for sure um the criminologist went on to say he believed that doug perry was jealous of the beauty the victims had and went on to elaborate that he was killing them because they were squandering their beauty by selling themselves as we've been saying uh, Doug did his best to keep Claire in out of it, but, you know, like I said, she winds up leaving. Um, but, you know, I don't think that stash of guns probably was too <laughs> welcoming for her either. Uh, the crossbow hanging over the bed, you know, that might have been yo, a little weird. I'm out pimping. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, but you have to wonder, you know, with, when she left, did he just totally go off the fucking rails? Uh, the criminologist also talked about his use of guns, and I thought this was odd. He said that, you know, the twenty-two pistol being a somewhat effeminate gun, um, because he had all these other weapons like an AK-47 and some bigger handguns, the crossbow. 
pipe bombs and all this stuff. But to me, I mean, if he is a gun enthusiast like he was, yeah, he knows a twenty-two is going to get it done and not make a fucking mess. I mean, what is he going to go in there with a fucking AK-47? Yeah, like, ah, you know, I mean, it's fucking, I'm just thinking for convenience 50 sake. 50 Cal and, Desert Eagle. Fucking. Conceal, you know, and keep that shit under a jacket or something, right. a 22 pistol. What do you think, Joey? I mean. Yeah, uh, e- easily accessible, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't see that that effeminate part of that, I would have thought. No. If you're picking a gun to bring to the fucking fight, there's smaller, smaller rounds, but and you know he was in close close proximity, right? Like he's not shooting right. from far away; he's basically point blank. Right? A, a fucking twenty two fucking goes Bounces through your skull. Around. It's bouncing around and scrambling your brain. Does a lot more damage than yeah. something bigger caliber that's yeah, going to go, go through. through. Yeah, it scrambles your brain it, for real. Right. And the shitty and frustrating thing about this case uh, is the fact that since turned over to donna and will no longer speak on doug you don't really know what was going on because she never elaborated on uh her motives and everything for the individual killings and all that the reason why she chose the weapons she chose right she never said any of that because she never admitted to the fact that she did any of it exactly that's a good point that's a good point joey um they also bring up the fact that Doug was pissed that he had to go to Bangkok, Thailand to get the surgery uh, in 2020. Well, that was uh, your choice, dude. Yeah, <laughs> or 2010. Um, so, you know, I would agree, you know, with that, you know, possibly that that maybe got him more pissed off that he had to go over there and get that done, but I don't know. Uh, now, Chris, it's no surprise the jury finds old Donna Perry guilty. Yeah, uh the fucking the fight that uh, Kathy Brisbo fucking put up and got all that DNA led to that. Yeah. Because if they didn't, once they were able to had once we had the technology in the fucking crime community to get the fucking DNA results and build a fucking actual profile. DNA profile. Right. Now they have it in the system. Now you can anything that you're running through there is going to pop up. And right. The fact that Donna there fucked up going to buy fucking ammo. Yeah. That that the DNA says it all. You did that. Exactly. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, it was just something that they had in the system. So once that person eventually did something stupid and got fucking caught, boom, then they got her her DNA and that's Especially when the nowadays link was made. with the 23andMe and all that shit, dude. Right. Like, oh yeah, for sure. Now Joey Perry gets three life sentences with no parole. But, uh, you know, that defense they tried just didn't seem to work, man. I mean, it was it was still groundbreaking in my eyes as a defense to use. Agreed. And it was enough to it was enough to fluster everybody to where they had to fucking really think on the issue, I'm sure. Um, I, I don't know how long the jury deliberated for, but I'm sure there was quite a bit of fucking, you know, talk and shit going on. In oh, there. yeah. But uh, it's, it's wild, too, because another you know aspect of this case was okay so did doug perry commit these fucking murders and then was that his whole idea was that his end game was to change his right his gender I thought so that, that he too. could be like oh that person didn't do it so you know it, now i'm a new person and i haven't committed no murders i thought about that too you know, maybe right. that it, was the whole it, if the if 
if he had won that case, that would have opened a terrible door for people to be able to fucking just switch off and on just to get away with all kinds of shit, you know? Definitely. Uh, that would have been a bad but, precedent to set. Yeah. Um, I Personally, I believe that he was already on the path to wanting to become a woman beforehand. It might have conveniently coincided with the idea to use that as a defense later. I don't think that that you know he had, he initially was like oh shit now i gotta really fucking change up my shit i think right. he was already headed that way i agree i think that's what he always wanted to do you know it was just that yeah. was the end game i agree yeah it isn't he, he wasn't sitting there like oh i gotta do more than like grow a beard and dye my hair it's like yeah yeah, yeah. i gotta do something <laughs> scott <drastic."> peterson right <laughs> <laughs> So Donna Perry is in Washington Correction Center for Women in Gig Harbor, Washington. And there has been some debate, of course, over that. The family of one of the victims uh, had voiced their opinion that Donna should be serving her time in a men's prison or at least in isolation from other women. I could see that, but I think they ought to just like throw her in the men's prison you do fucking <laughs> yeah you're gonna get laid <laughs> you know a lot you know what a lot i i don't understand uh i don't i think maybe it depends on what state you're from or something i feel like if we'd have to ask tex this but i feel like if you were in texas and this case went down that she would have been doing her time in a male facility because they're going to go off your biological sex and, but and maybe even when you Wash- did the crime too you maybe like yeah i don't know but yeah. washington being a very liberal state right you know they're more like okay well no now you're a woman so That's now a you go to the point. women's prison so texas i know if you're listening let me yeah. know let us know what what the deal is there and i know that texas. whenever i was uh when i was in prison and of course i got out in 2003 so i was in there like 2000 so you know a long time or a while ago but that was like you know there were transgenders that were in there that were locked up right um and they were biologically men but they were in there as women but they were in the men's facility because that's what they were you know interesting so so it's weird to see now i wonder if some of those same people if they were to go to prison now if they'd send them to a woman's right yeah so it's it's fucking weird it is it's interesting it really is so uh you know, one. Or- I mean, what if? Uh, or he had the. I guess he had the surgery. So maybe that's yeah, part of the full thing gender because, reassignment, not just like yeah, gender, because yeah. Of, he he can't be having a baby while he's in there. I guess so. Right. Now, one article I read mentioned there are over a hundred and fifty other males now in Washington trying to get into that prison, and of course, that's no shocker. <laughs> um, they've seen a big rise in assaults on female inmates from men who are transitioning. To being a woman so this is definitely a big hot button issue and uh hopefully we don't get canceled over just tackling it but i think you know we 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 dealt with it and uh i don't have anything more to say on the subject guys you have anything to add i don't think uh, so it's a interesting it's one. one to fucking do man yeah <laughs> it's a challenge for sure because it's such an interesting angle to this story you know so I did my research by watching that documentary on YouTube. It was called Making a Serial Killer from Season 1, Episode 4, uh, which is how I heard about it. I uh, read a couple of articles online about the t- uh, you know this, uh, you know, and I thought it would be a good one for us to do. 
Uh, there's not a lot of stuff out there on the case, but you know, if you're interested, search for Donna or Doug Perry on YouTube and you'll see that uh, one that we watched, that Making a Serial Killer. There is another one that was av not available in the streaming service I looked at, uh, but IMDB shows it, uh, I think, in season two of a different series. And I'd love to see that one just to see if they talk about any of the things that we weren't able to find out from that one we watched. Right, so, right. Because yeah. uh, usually when you get a different one, they may touch on things that you know the other didn't. Uh, so it's a fascinating one out there, and the and the interrogation stuff is interesting too. So check that out. Now, guys, next week I watched a documentary again just the other day about this one. I'm pumped for some Paul John Knowles. That is some craziness. Oh, yeah. The Casanova Killer. I can't believe more people don't know about this dude. He has been on the list now for a couple of years at least. Uh, murdered yeah. 18 people in 1974. That's fucking... That's fucking insane. That's a fucking number, bro. And they're showing a map, and this is like the real deal. Like, he killed in like eight or nine different states, zigzagging all over the country. He was in central Illinois, according to the map, which was fucked up. Um, so very, very fascinating. But he would kill these victims, men and women. Um, he would run up their credit cards and take their vehicle and pose as them, use their shit, and then kill somebody else and use Same their thing, shit. Here I go. And this guy was unfucking believable. Um, very, very fascinating story. Um, and I bet a lot of people aren't going to know about it. So I'm, I'm always psyched to do those, especially with a high body count like this. So, and the fact that, you know, when they arrested him, um, you know, he was murdered, so that was why. You right. Know, the, you know, I'm wondering if that may be why a lot of people are not familiar with this one, because he didn't do you know the prison interviews and the, you know all that kind of stuff. Right, right. But man, what a wild one! So that's next week. That's going to be good. And uh, he also wanted to um, get his mom some money, so he thought that she should cash in on his story. So he was hoping that uh, he would sell the, you know, give his mother the rights to his story. But of course, his attorney said, well, you know, it's not going to work because you can't profit from your crime. And even if you could, the, the victims would sue the, the estate. And so the, there'd be no oh, money. Yeah, there. he's still so ain't getting the fucking He kind of laughed about it on the documentary I watched. It was kind of funny. But that's going to be next week. That'll be good. Casanova killer. Joey, uh, any good page of days for us? Yep, got some page a day. Nice. Uh, fucking get right into this. Um, May 5th, 2012. An Oklahoma man called 911 at least 17 times in his emergency. A seemingly uncontrollable need for dirty talk because each time he called, Dude. the man made the man made sexual comments to the operators what? until the yeah. police responded to his calls. home. When the police show up to his house, he goes, are you here to arrest me again? And they did arrest him because it wasn't the first time. He'd been arrested at least three times for making obscene phone calls to 911, and he was charged with making false reports. Yeah, like Chris said, you could hear the fucking yeah, it's, it's so because, fucking ridiculous. It's because his phone was out of service and 911 was the only call number he was able to fucking call out to. <laughs> wow. <laughs> fucking what an idiot. ridiculous. That is ridiculous. <laughs> Wow. All right. Uh, 
so uh, this next one I got from Page Today, I wasn't originally going to say this one because it's fucking mostly common knowledge, but I did find uh, one that I hadn't heard about before. So they're talking about serial killers uh, from certain states. And the first one they're talking about, which is kind of cool because we were talking about Washington, but they're talking about Gary Ridgway, uh, the Green River Killer. No, that's so, right. Um, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, of course, Ridgway, he got his nickname because he left his, his victim's bodies near Washington's Green River throughout the 90s. Um, the next one they were talking about is Dean Coral. Of course, the he's from down man. in Texas. Yep, the candy man. He learned uh, boys into his van in the Lone Star State. Um, he killed 28 boys in 1973, and we did, Coral. Uh, go back and oh, listen yeah. to that one. Yes, sir. Brutal. Um, the next one, Ed Kemper. Of course, he's hailing from California. Right, co-ed fucking killer. Uh, co-ed killer. And fucking he did his murders throughout the 70s. Skull-fucking um, his mom. That's fun. Yeah, skull-fucking <laughs> his mom. Uh, uh, this one uh, is a pretty... I know this case, but we haven't done it yet, but it's a pretty good one. Um, and that is Mark, Mark Godot from Arizona. Oh, yeah. And... He's the baseline killer down there, and he was active in the summer of 2006, and in 2016 he was convicted of the murder of nine women. So he's more of a recent case, but he's a good one that we should do for sure. And then the last one, I had never heard of this guy before, so it was kind of cool, and this is Stephen Brian Pennell. Now, Stephen Brian Pennell, he is... uh, uh, fucking the route 40 killer and he was active between 1987 and 1988 and his claim to fame is he is the only serial killer from the state of delaware so, okay really? cool wow <laughs> hang your head on that one yeah, fuck yeah right, right, right. delaware uh all right so i got Cross one more thing from bucket list right right <laughs> so i got one more thing from fucking page day now We've all heard, we know what the Miranda rights are. We've seen all the fucking shit. We've been fucking told them. Right. Um, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you can, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be provided for you. Do you understand the rights I have read to you? With these rights in mind, do you wish to speak to me now? Uh, we've all heard about that shit, but... How many people know who Miranda was, though? That's a good the question. Person, I've, the fucking, I've heard this before, dude. So, Ernesto Arturo Miranda, this is a guy that was arrested in March 1963 for kidnapping, beating, and raping an 18-year-old woman in Arizona. He participated in a lineup of suspects, and yep. police implied that he was positively identified. After two hours of questioning, he confessed. He proceeded to write down his confession on a piece of paper, and then the following was printed on the top of each sheet. In quotes. This statement has been made voluntarily and of my own free will with no threats, coercion, or promises of immunity, and with full knowledge of my legal rights, understanding any statement I make can and will be used against me. Now, however, Miranda, who was not informed of his right to speak to an attorney or remain silent, um... Now, based largely on his confession, he was convicted of 
of rape and kidnapping, and he was sentenced to 20 to 30 years. His appeal was taken by lawyers from the ACLU who argued his case, along with three similar cases, in front of the Supreme Court in 1966. The court ruled in favor of Miranda, and his conviction was vacated. Now, early 1967, Miranda was retried for kidnapping and rape. His confession was not admitted into evidence, but he was convicted, uh, again, based on the testimony given by his common-law wife, right. who said that he had, he had confessed the crimes to her when she visited him in prison. So he was again sentenced to 20 to 30 wow. years in prison, but he was paroled in 1972. And upon his release, he made some cash by selling autographed Miranda warning cards for $1.50 a pop. Get the oh, fuck out of uh, here. Miranda had some run-ins with the law after he was paroled, including several driving infractions. He spent a year in prison after being arrested for gun possession, uh, which was a violation of his parole. And he was paroled again in 1975, and then on January 31st, he was fatally stabbed to death in a Phoenix bar fight. So wow. that's Miranda. That's the Miranda. That's through the Miranda rights are after. Yeah, Damn. that's interesting. Very cool. Good page. I did of not days. know that. Yeah, Good page a day stuff. Educating our listeners there. All oh, right. Yeah. Well, we have done our fair share of murdering tonight. I think it's time to crank up the metal. So, Joey, what the fuck do we need to do? Let's get our fucking metal. Just on. because CK has passed on, he's not done educating the masses. CK will forever be the great metal motherfucker. We're here to stomp poser ass and eradicate the planet of their kind. CK has passed the torch to us and we will forge the fuck on. In CK's name, we will bestow metal knowledge upon all of you. All right. We are in the metal segment. Great that, metal motherfucker. Great metal motherfucker. CK. Always there. CK forever doing this kind of an homage to CK all the time. And what we've been doing is we pass the horns around. And when it's your turn with the horns, then you um, go ahead and do the uh, pick the topic for the metal segment. And so. Yes. Joey, you're passing me the horns. There you go. We, We're doing it through the uh, through the uh, computer here. I'm and doing it I virtually. I've got three goat <laughs> horns here, and so it is my turn to discuss uh, what I want to talk about. And what I decided on was an individual because we've done that before. Joey, I liked your Morris sound last week. The week before that, did we did heavy metal parking lot. <laughs> Chris did oh, cock and ball torture in between that, but still, we've been yeah. doing some different things. And so tonight we're going to be talking about Alex Webster, the amazing bass player of Cannibal Corpse, a uh, huge fucking beast, uh, definitely very influential on a lot of uh, metal musicians, I'm sure, but bass players in particular, uh, just and definitely in the a metal beast, scene. yeah. Uh, so he was born in a small western New York town of Akron in 1969. So he was just a couple of years younger than me. Apparently he started playing drums when he was three uh, with an empty butter container and tinker toys for sticks. I thought that was funny. Nothing wrong with that. No. <laughs> uh, he wanted to play guitar uh, as he got into his teen years, but then he switched to bass. He thought it would be easier, actually. 
Um, he founded the band Beyond Death with former Cannibal Corpse guitar player Jack Owen. Uh, they found Chris Barnes and Paul Mazurkowitz playing in a different band, but then would end Tyrantson. up combi- yeah, combining uh, and forming Cannibal Corpse in 1988. Uh, Alex actually was the one that came up with the name, and he said it was just more of a catchy name than any other reason which yeah, is which i mean is it good. makes it yeah it's like you see like back in the day when you're getting rip magazine and all that yeah. shit circus magazine like cannibal, like cannibal course, course. Wow. what the fuck dude that sounds badass <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so um alex and paul are the only two original members of cannibal corpse still there um and these guys of course are like probably the biggest death metal band on the planet uh, many fans remember their appearance in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, which was fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and Alex has also done two side projects, uh, the all-instrumental metal stuff, uh, Blotted Science and Conquering Dystopia. I have heard Blotted Science, but not the other. Um, but right. they're like all-star I've bands. heard Blotted Science. Yeah, very, very wicked shit. Uh, he's got his own Spectre bass line. Um, I've got one of them, uh, the Alex Webster collection. I've got it here in the studio with me. I took some pictures earlier. So if you're into Facebook, I'll post them in our group. And also, I'm going to be adding a gallery to our website where I'm going to put a ton of pictures. I took a bunch off my phone and got them on my hard drive. So I'm going to be uploading a bunch of pictures from random stuff i mean every week we take pictures so i've got like a ridiculous number of pictures on my phone uh that are from here in the studio so i'm going to post a lot of those so uh you know he's just an animal he plays with his fingers which i always like because that's how i play um i can imagine many other bass players would be inspired by this guy he's just an animal and he's a nice guy uh, very cordial, very good with the fans, just a good dude. Um, I also saw that he had written some lyrics in Cannibal Corpse, which I didn't realize that. And, he did uh, quite a bit of it, him, him and Marzukowicz. Yeah, I didn't realize that Alex was, was a big part of that. So that surprised me. That was cool. And I saw that his favorite metal band is Slayer, by the way. So I mean, that's his not band. a bad choice. No, not at all. So he said, if there was one band that they would cover, it would be Slayer. So oh, yeah. that was cool. He's not gonna now that they don't have Chris Barnes, they're not gonna go full cover. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. So, uh, so yeah. So that's uh, that's my uh, deal there on Alex Webster. Just a, just a, an animal, uh, great bass player, and very influential. So uh, he, uh, I was already playing bass for quite a while before I even knew that he existed. Um, so he wasn't as much of an influence on me, but I, of course, bought his bass because I love it. It's got um, the best tone of any bass I've ever played. It's just it's amazing. So uh, definitely digging that. The Spectre basses have always been known for being really good stuff, and uh, this is uh, the Euro uh, five-string uh, version. So so it's 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 well made. That's for sure. All right, Joey, what about you with the Lost Classic tonight? Uh, the Lost Classic I have, I don't have much information on it, but it's a band called Organ Harvest, and the album's called Bowels Waltz. And Dude, yeah. Just a fucking badass album, but um, 
I remember whenever I got out of prison, so like 2003, before I had gone to prison, I was making like mix CDs off Napster and LimeWire and shit. Right. Take you all day, all day to fucking download ten songs. Really <laughs> right. Cool. Sure. So, so that whenever I got out, then fucking I, you know, all of a sudden you could fucking get whole albums and shit like no problem and shit. And uh, especially then, like it was way easier to get fucking full albums back then than it is now like i don't know anyway fucking so organ harvest is one of the first ones that i fucking got and i've had the uh i've had like the digital burnt copy on a cdr with a fucking i printed out the cover as a cd fucking case right right nice and then uh, I pulled it out of my CD book like a week ago and shit and just been jamming that shit ever since. And I ended up finding the physical copy on eBay and ordering it, so I should have that tomorrow. Oh, awesome. shit, yeah, dude. But, yeah, so there, it, to me it was definitely a forgotten classic because it's something that I jammed the shit of back in, like, 2006 or 2005, and then all of a sudden, you know, come back and, like, oh, yeah, that's fucking good shit. Is it a death metal or, like, grindcore? Uh, it's more grindcore, I'd say, yeah. Okay. Got some grooves and shit to it. That's cool. Good Lost Classic. Shit, yeah, dude. Hell yeah. All right, what have we been listening to lately? Chris, what about you, man, in the nation? I can't come up with anything offhand. I've been listening to podcasts. Don Ho. Huh? Don Ho, the Hawaiian music. Yeah, that's what I'm listening to. Podcasts. Nothing, yeah, podcasts and shit, yeah. All right. What about you, Joey? Uh, man, fucking weed is loud. Smoking some, uh, smoking some sherbet pie that I got from the fucking homies up in Royal Smoke, Michigan. Shout out to fucking them guys. But uh, I don't know. I've been listening to a lot of different. Like I said, that fucking Bow Waltz. That's been my fucking CD player for a while. I've also been listening to uh, the County Medical Examiners. Um, fucking great band, Carcass Warship. Yep. Uh, fucking, I don't know. Fucking, I guess that's mostly it. I've, I've been jamming uh, my buddy from DeKalb. He's got a band called Animal Activity, and it's pretty fucking sweet. It's all him, fucking one-man shit, but he does, like, real drums and shit on it. Uh, he was that's the cool. drummer in a band. Yeah, he was a drummer in a band that I was in, but I ended up getting his whole... He did the cover for my Horrorflix 2 album, actually, oh, nice. too, if anybody fucking jams my shit, but... Uh, yeah, I fucking got his whole fucking discography off him, and it's cool because every album sounds just a little bit different. Like, one's more doomy than the other, one's more grind than the other, one's more death metal. So, I, I like how he's doing it. It's pretty fucking cool, and he uses a lot of, uh, he uses a lot of, like, true crime and interrogation samples in his music. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, cool. Fuck yeah. yeah. Very, very cool. Well, I'll tell you, I've been, like I said, I've been going crazy with all this new stuff coming out, but I mentioned last week Idle Ruin, uh, the band from Queensland uh, in Australia, freaking killer. Uh, The album's called The Fell Tyrant, just came out. It's fucking amazing. Uh, Thrash uh, with a little death metal, but a lot of thrash. Uh, Bone Church, now I've been doing some research uh, for a short story I'm working on about these European bone churches where they built the fucking inside of the church with yeah. fucking human Dude, bones. Dude, you those pictures. I was like, fuck. Fucking insane. And a fucking chandelier made of fucking every human bone. Uh, it's, like, unbelievable. Google that shit if you're not familiar. 
Um, but anyway, as I was watching stuff on YouTube about it, there was a band named Bone Church. So I'm like, okay, well, that might be kind of badass, you know? Yeah. So I listened to, I watched the video, and I was totally surprised it was not what I thought. I was thinking it was going to be like some death metal. It was yeah. really good. I mean, it sounded like Sabbath. <laughs> Real trippy, but very Sabbathy, and even the vocals sounded like old Ozzy. I was really? like, these guys are fucking cool. Like they're actually really good. And uh, I downloaded, I paid for them um, their Bandcamp, but they're both albums they've got. Um, and I reached out to them about doing an interview. The guitar player was cool and responded. So. Uh, they've got an album. It's it's uh, relatively new called Acid Communion, um, and so if you like that kind of stuff, go check them out. And then this other band from Alabama, absolutely brutal death metal, Defense Wound, and the album is called Hymns of War. It just came out. I reached out to I've reached out to all three of these bands I just mentioned, and all three of them want to do an interview. Fucking hey, dude! So I'm going to line them all up. the The Australian band, the guys from Connecticut, Bone Church is from Connecticut, and Defense Wound from Alabama. But a really wide range: thrash, death, and yeah, like old an school. old school kind yeah. of seventies vibe going on with Bone Church. But all three are are fantastic. So that's what I've been listening to. Um, just just going crazy with Shit, it. Yeah, man. Now, Chris, you got the horns next. Any uh, any plans on what you're doing? Or are you keeping it top secret? I have a plan, but I'm not going to say nothing. But I do have a plan. Okay. And I will send you a song as well. Okay, it's thank not, you. It, and it won't, be a, it won't be like a disturbed car. It'll be an actual song. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're not going to do that to me? No, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's a good tease for next week for sure. <laughs> All right, if you're in a band and you want us to check you out, get a hold of us at Pete at MurderMetalMayhem.com. There's no guarantee we're going to play it or do a review or anything, but if we dig it, we just might. Joey's been doing lots of reviews here lately. I've been fucking forwarding him all kinds of shit because Imperative PR has got us on the list of the nastiest metal on the planet. They're sending it our way, man. It's fucking brutal as fuck. So I know it's Joey's thing. So Joey, I know you're uh, you're pumping out the reviews. So if you want to do that, send it to us that way or old school Murder Metal Mayhem, PO Box five five four Hayworth Illinois six one seven four five. Throw some stickers in there if you got any. Want to throw in a pop tart or two? That'd be all right, but not necessary. If no, you don't want uh, if you want to throw in some pop tarts, we'll eat. We'll eat. Take, we'll eat take an, uh, <laughs> that's right. Throw a little. Uh, LSD on them. This oh, podcast no. don't be real do that. good. Please no, don't do just, that. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that six 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 club we got our Patreon. We appreciate those of you that are already members, but you could do that by supporting the show for three bucks a month and join that six 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 club at patreon.com slash murder metal mayhem, and I'll link to that in the episode description. All right, well, I think we have done plenty of metal tonight. So, Chris. What the fuck are we going to do? Let's get our memo. Fuck yeah.
Have you ever been on the verge of snapping the fuck out? Well, stress no more. Don't kill everyone in your house over a lost remote or misplacing the day's mail. Fuck you, bitch! Where's the goddamn remote? Call us today at Benoit Anger Management. We can help. Don't find yourself doing a 15-year bit for assault or more time if you wind up going nuts and killing everyone in sight. I told you to shut the fuck up! Holy fuck. I, wow. I mean, Meister meant that shit. <laughs> Meister meant all that. Yeah, and Wes uh, Pollock, uh, former two guys, former low 12 guys doing that when they were here in the studio. But wow, some Benoit Anger Management, pretty brutal shit. And before that, some Cannibal Corpse, Surround, Kill, Devour from the last album, Pretty nasty stuff, and so good talking about some Alex Webster. Definitely worthy. Word, dude. Killer bass player. All right. Now, we are in mayhem, and Joey, you made a promise. You had some mayhem for us tonight, so uh, what, do you gotta, what do you got up your sleeve there? I got some mayhem. Now, usually whenever we talk about it, or a lot of our mayhem, it's, you know, pretty lighthearted and a lot of funnier shit, a lot of stupid shit, but... Tonight, right. uh, tonight, this shit's not too funny at all, but, <laughs> <laughs> right, um, but anyhow, I, Pete, you saw it, earlier in the week, I ran across an old episode of Forensic Files, and they were talking about a case that happened, um, and it was actually a case that happened where I grew up, and, you know, involved, right. like, some, I remember you just posted it. Yeah, that. so, it was kind of wild, because I had never seen that episode of that before, and it just, like, brought back a whole lot of shit so um for the mayhem tonight i was gonna tell like a little bit about that and then a little bit about this other case that happened and these are pretty much probably like some of my earliest experiences of being of what started my infatuation i guess with true crime and things of that nature so the case that they're talking about in forensic files they call it fucking uh real danger like real like fishing reel so if you want to oh, right, if you right. want to look it up you can find it on there it's on cold case classics but anyway this is crazy so like i think this was around it was 1989 i think or 1990 it was somewhere in there <clears throat> but at that time i used to hang around with these kids and one of these spots that we always hung out at was down at this uh this like creek it wasn't even a river it was more like a creek than anything and we would hang out there and go fishing and you catch frogs and shit like that. And, uh, I remember like, that was like one of my first times, like I was learning what a, what a copperhead was copperhead snake. I didn't know what that was. And, uh, and one of the older kids had killed one out there. So like, that was the first time I'd ever seen like an actual, like poisonous snake, I think in the wild. So that was crazy. But anyway, I ended up leaving, for that summer and like I did most every summer at that time I used to go up to my grandparents house in Maine uh, me, right. me and my sisters and my grandparents would take us for two weeks you know and then my mom would come back and get us or whatever but uh, so this is while I was gone so I wasn't there or you know I, I mean I'm I mean, I'm glad I wasn't there I mean I'm not saying that anything bad would have happened or whatnot. but anyway in regards to what did happen so these 
kids, it was, I believe, two 16-year-olds and a 15-year-old, and they were from the neighboring town in New London. Now, New London is a lot a lot rougher of a town than Waterford, Connecticut is and was. It's still the same way, basically. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of the, the kids over there were, they were a little bit different than uh, the kids that I used to hang out with and shit. Um, you just kind of watch yourself, I guess. But um, anyway, so these kids, the the three boys, they ended up coming up on these these other two kids, a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old. 10-year-old's name Tom, 13-year-old's name was Jeff. And uh, <clears throat> they found them at that creek, you know, fishing. And they had a baseball bat and... They grabbed some rocks, I believe, but they ended up pummeling both of the boys. They hit the one, Jeff, like super, super bad. Uh, He was laid out in the water. The 10-year-old kid, uh, I think he kind of played possum and and hid under the water, basically, so that the boys would think that, you know, he was messed up, too. And, And they ended up leaving. They ended up taking their bikes and leaving. And left them in the in the you know the the water for dead. Uh, the ten year old kid Tom, he, you know, came out afterwards and he grabbed the thirteen year old boy and he actually carried him to somebody's house, and you know they were able to save him, but he suffered like crazy brain damage from this. Like he it it, right. it was really really you know bad scene or whatever. So. Uh, I found out about it afterwards. My mom, whenever she came back, she had like the newspaper clipping and all that. And she was like, you knew him, didn't you? And, you know, she was asking me about that, but that really fucked me up, you know, to hear about that. And then, you know, he'd gotten knocked out. Uh, And then like, so then you watch the, watching the forensic files thing was really crazy too, because then there were things about that case that I had no idea about until I saw that. And one thing wasn't something I did. I just forgot about it. But before the incident at the at the river, they had gone to a lady's house before that, and they had had the ball bat and everything beforehand. So I mean, it was pretty much like that's what they were trying to do was hurt somebody. I think was the Go whole deal. Go fuck somebody right. up. They, yeah. Like they right. stole their bikes and shit. But I don't think that was like the whole reason. Like I think they just did it because uh, it was you know fucking convenience or whatever. But. So they went to this lady's house, and the one boy goes up to and goes up to her house, and he tells her that she, that he's diabetic, and that you know he's having a, a fit or whatever. So she brings him in the house and gives him some juice and shit. I mean, these are fucking young kids, you know, and uh, she notices that whenever he leaves, that he joins up with two other boys out in the back of her yard, and you know that's whenever you know she basically shooed them off and you know wouldn't let them back in the house or whatnot but in hindsight people were thinking that they were might have been trying to use her as their first victim or whatnot and then since that didn't work out they just kept on and ended up finding the two boys um they ended up linking them which is the whole point of the reason they did the forensic files because there was some kind of uh, organism that was living in the water at that pond and they ended up finding it on those boys' shoes. Uh, so oh, it was kind of wow. like, it was kind of a, a record-breaking or a groundbreaking case at that time. So that's pretty cool too. But yeah. it was it was just really fucked up because like that was a real experience. I remember growing up and it definitely, you know, 
uh, right. fucking like sent me on place that you path. hung out. Yeah, yeah, like that. That t- place t- you hung out, people you knew. Yeah, the, the snakes end. were like that's what I thought was scary. Then you know what I'm saying? I never even thought about some other shit like what right. happened. So that like definitely opened my mind up to to you got to be a lot more careful and I don't know it just it changed my outlook of the world uh, knowing that and then um, so then the other thing is also from Waterford Connecticut and this is this is probably the biggest impact on me uh, whenever I think this was like 1989 or 1988 I can't remember um, I know I, I think I was nine years old when this happened. Um, but there was a lady named Marilyn Norton. She was a 38-year-old woman. And she ended up jumping off the bridge in New London uh, and, and killed herself, like, in the early morning hours or whatnot. And they later found out that her daughter, a six-year-old named Jordana, she had been stabbed to death by her mother, presumably, and she was killed yeah. in her bed. And Jordana was my oldest sister's best friend at the time. And Oh, no oh, fucking wow. shit. Uh, I remember... Uh, I just remember waking up and seeing my mom staring at the TV. And she was watching the news about it, you know. And I had no idea what was going on at that time. But I just... I will never forget my mom's face, though. And... Uh, I'll also never remember or never forget um, seeing my sister whenever they were taking her out of the school after she had found out what happened because I think they probably told everybody all at once, you know, the kids because they were in kindergarten. Right, right. I'm pretty sure they were in kindergarten at the time. Uh, maybe first grade, but you know, I just remember her crying as they were carrying her out. And that <clears throat> that was crazy and that was a big case to me, and I think one of the biggest reasons that this is such a... that's always stuck with me is because I never understood or knew and will never know why her mom did that. Like, what was the reasoning behind it, you know? Right. And uh, I ended up finding out a couple of the news articles about this later on, you know, like, in recent years, but there's really nothing about it besides, you know, the initial news story about right. you know murder suicide or whatnot but um right that's just i didn't understand that then and still to this day i understand like why did you kill your child you know what I was what was right. going on in your mind that you thought you had to do that and then go kill yourself like it, it's so it there's unanswered questions there and it it'll just it will eat at me until the day i die for sure i'll never stop wondering about that so I definitely feel like it helped fuel my, uh, it, you know, looking into all the true crime stuff to try to understand as much as I can. So, so that's my main. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's, that's some, fucking crazy. Being connected to two different things like that is fucking insane. Yeah, bro. yeah, it is, dude. That is. All right. Well, you know what else is insane is some killer it's cage match. Killer cage match, baby. So that's where we take a list of seventy-five killers, seventy-five objects for them to fight with. And uh, variable and a song playing. It's going to be crazy. And we got some listeners, Chris, we want to say thank you to. Uh, yeah, once again, we have uh, Laura, Mrs. C.K. Kovacs, 
We got Ray, call me Daddy McFalls. <laughs> Always. And we got Clarence the motherfucking Dylan. Hell yeah. I got to give you a little moniker or something in there somewhere, dude. Everybody <laughs> else has one. I don't know. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you guys for helping us decide who's going to fight and what they're fighting with. And Joey, we got an interesting one tonight. Yeah, we got fucking BTK, Bind, Torture, you Kill. Know. Dennis Rader going up against BTK, badass Tommy Karate himself. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck but, yeah, dude. But uh, yeah, we got fucking little mob action against a little fucking uh, dog catcher action. <laughs> right. Yeah, should be an interesting one tonight. And they're going to have a couple of objects, Chris. What are they fighting with here? Tonight they have a garbage bag full of cat shit. Mm, gotta love those. Is it like petrified cat shit? You think? How big's the gar- garbage bag? Like a full size, you know, like uh, a yeah. like a kitchen garbage bag. Yeah, know? like okay, all right, no more kitchen. That makes sense. That's a lot of shit. (laughs) (laughs) And a a fucking snapping turtle. Oh, we've had the snapping turtle. We've had the the cat shit, too. We've had them both. But yeah, yeah, we've had it all. (laughs) All right, so there's their objects. And Joey, what about the variable this week? Uh, The lot lizard after drinking a 12-pack with Michael Shaw back. We've had that one. Oh, boy. Damn. Damn. So that that's she interesting. You better have her own fucking twelve pack if you're drinking with my brother. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and the song playing is "My Heart Will Go On," but it's not the Celine Dion version. It's my killer karaoke version of it. So that's what's playing while this shit is going on. We got BTK Dennis Rader going up against Mob Hitman Tommy Karate, and they got a garbage bag filled with cat shit and a snapping turtle. There's a lot lizard after drinking a 12-pack with Chris's brother, Michael. And the song is My Heart Will Go On, but my version of it, not the not the lame fucking version of it. All right. Chris, where do we, wh- how do we peel this fucking onion tonight? What? <laughs> no, for real. Like, <laughs> God damn. Uh, man, I got to go with basically like, Michael's fucking not even caring about all girl fucking with her 12 pack fucking he's got his own 12 pack he's drinking watching all the action so he's chilling <coughs> he ain't even he's I like agree. yep fuck it so then you got Dennis Raider and Tommy Karate and the Lot Lizard. So Raider's already got the bag full of cat shit because he's not in kill mode right now. He's in home life mode. His wife's told him to take out the garbage, all that shit. He's like, fuck. Plus he's a dog catcher, so he'd yeah. probably be concerned about where's this cat shit going to go. Exactly. He's fucking just like taking care of business. Meanwhile, Tommy Karate, he fucking trying to pimp this Lot Lizard out to Dennis Raider to oh. fucking... Yeah. He's like, hey, yo, dude. <laughs> fucking Dennis Rader ain't having it, though. He's like, my wife and kids are in the other room, but I got another room. So they go in another room. Fucking Dennis Rader fucking has that snapping turtle. It's a big snapping turtle. He fucking gives it to the lot lizard, and she just, like, takes off. She's done. She's drunk as shit. Got a fucking fat turtle. Now it's just Dennis Rader and fucking Tommy Karate. Oh, boy. Tommy Karate just like this big 
bang, backside roundhouse kick, fucking kicks Dennis Rader in the fucking face like that, drops him. He's like, now put on makeup and a dress. And Tommy Karate gets the win. <laughs> All right, I, I like that. I like that. I think Tommy's taking him to the fucking bathtub with the hacksaw, right? Definitely. Joey, what do you think, dude? Uh, I don't know. It's a weird one going on in this one, but I guess whenever that fucking bell rings, every person in that ring is so confused as to why my heart will go on is playing at the killer <laughs> that's hosted by Murder Mel Man. They just don't understand what's going on. Now, Tommy Karate being a fucking little bit smarter of a fighter himself, he fucking he's only be spectacled by that for one second before he realizes he has to kick into action. He does a little fucking yeah, yeah. he does a couple backflips, fucking does a little twist off the fucking side of the cage, and then roundhouse ah. kicks Dennis Rader right in his fucking jaw. Dennis Rader's like, God damn, you didn't have to do all that, man. You could beat my ass to begin with because I'm not very strong. <laughs> fucking what the hell's your problem <laughs> he goes over and he fucking grabs that bag of cash because he knows for a fact that that is over regulation for a cage of all the capacity <laughs> to have that much cash in it so he's fucking pissed he wants to write us a goddamn fine to murder mel mayhem for being fucking negligent about our fucking animal oh, feces too much goddamn accumulation of cash too much defecation too much overall defecation. <laughs> but yeah, fucking. Anyway, so fucking back to it. Tommy Cry whooping his ass. But Dennis Rader, you know, he's got that cat shit. And he was like, you know what else I know about? Some snapping turtles. Because fucking, I'd be catching them down in the creek with my fucking Boy Scouts whenever I'm down there yeah. fantasizing <laughs> oh, about fuck. it. He's like, man, I've only dressed up about three Boy Scouts and, dre and dresses themselves and taking pictures, so <laughs> that's not really that bad. Mostly I'm a good guy, but just part of me is a bad guy, so I only dress three kids in dresses. And one time, speaking of the Snapping Turtle, whenever he had the Boy Scouts out on a camping trip and they were all fucking in the woods, he did find the Snapping Turtle and let it bite down on this one boy's testicles and instantly came Ooh. all over himself. But anyway, we're off on a tangent. <laughs> Getting back to the cage match, he fucking grabs that snapping turtle fucking tweaks the snapping turtle's butthole with his finger till it fucking starts freaking out snapping hungry hungry hippo style and fucking <laughs> puts it on tommy karate's balls to fucking start smashing them bitches now what he doesn't realize is tommy karate not only does he work out his badass biceps and fucking calf muscles <laughs> He works out his fucking testicles, so he don't give a shit about a fucking snapping turtle. He's got a test on his balls against 7,000 pounds snapping turtle capacity. He don't give a fuck. So he just sits there. He watches that turtle all on his balls just chomping and continues to karate chop fucking Dennis Rader in the throat until he's dead. The lot lizard is so impressed by Tommy Karate's fucking moves, and she's just not, re she's not really drunk because the 12-pack, that ain't shit to her, but she comes yeah. over. She offers fucking Tommy Karate a freebie on the house, one blow job for him for being so badass in the cage match. Tommy wouldn't fucking Tommy, sink that low. He wins all around. He is definitely the winner. <laughs> definitely, I agree. All right. How can you how can you vote against Tommy Karate in that situation? All right, very cool. Well, our listeners sure love some killer cage match, and we do too. And so that was that oh, was, that a good, was one. good. Yeah, that was funny. 
All right. Uh, my writing, if you're into horror and suspense and thrillers and that sort of thing, go to PeteAltieri.com. I'll link to it in the episode description. I got some free writing samples on there, a few different short stories, some parts of my novels. So there's plenty to check out. If you like what you read, then buy a book. I've got a few of them on there. I got short stories, novels, whatever you like. So uh, go check that out in the episode description. Also, our Murder Metal Mayhem website. You can listen to the show. You could subscribe to our email list. You could check out the online store. Uh, we got two different shirts on there. The original shirts are going, going, gone. So uh, what's out there is what we got left. And the zombie shirts that Jeff Gaither designed, I got bunches of those. So get on there and buy that stuff. Got our activity book. Uh, we're going to be doing a new one here coming up, but you want to get the original. It's freaking amazing. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. We got, I thought we did a good job. We did. I mean, Not you could color Ricky Casso. I mean, what, what, what more <laughs> do you need? Uh, and we got the Murder Metal Mayhem die-cut stickers on there, too. So check that out. And you could join that 666 Club for 25% off if you do it on our website. So MurderMetalMayhem.com. All right. Well, I think we've done plenty of mayhem tonight. So let's hit the outro. There is no sanctity, not falling down The torture, wait for their prey No escape from the sands of sake Into the fortress, into the blade Prisoners carried into the ports The shores of hell, the tyrant awaits Merciless torment, rain with a lash Blood cascading from the waste Sons of the cobbles to tear Fuck yeah, man. Some Idol Ruin, the band I mentioned last week. I told the guys I was going to play them tonight, so hopefully they're listening over there in Brisbane, Queensland in Australia. So that's fucking awesome. And that song is the title track for their new album called The Fell Tyrant. So if you like that, go give them a listen. Uh, Definitely, definitely digging that album. All right, Joey, what, uh, what bumper music did we spin tonight? Uh, tonight for bumper music we had Cannibal Corpse, Idol Ruin, and the Cattle Decapitation <clears throat> with the gender reassignment surgery. Hell yeah! yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Forced, forced gender reassignment. <laughs> forced, yeah. Forced Stressing gender. the forced part of that. Yeah, that. Like I said, that video. Go check the video out if you don't know what if we're you talking wanna about. You want to be disgusted? <laughs> it's pretty bad. All right, Chris, what about that metal segment intro? Always in the metal. We got fucking Chrysix with the great metal motherfucker. Hell yeah. And the Murder Metal Mayhem intro by Low Fucking 12. Thanks to all of you guys out there listening. We keep, you know, seeing those, you know, statistics and just really humbling. So thank you very much. And keep spreading that word. Tell your friends about it. it. Your mom, your grandma, your aunt Sally, whatever the fuck you got to do. And Chris, what about that first comp? Right here, we got uh, Jim Pittsburgh Evans says, uh, I love this podcast. I've told a bunch of people at work about you guys. I really love the H.H. Holmes episode you did and that wild tag team fight. I'm a listener <laughs> from San Jose. Hell Fuck yeah. yeah, dude. Thanks, well, thanks for listening, dude. Hell yeah. He's a He's got Pittsburgh in his name, but he's in San Jose. Hey, so, hey man. Hey, moving around. All right, Joey, what about that second one? Uh, the second one is Annie Smith 22 said love your prison episode so much 
The San Quentin one was awesome as always. I love it when Tex is a guest with you guys. My sister and I listen to you every week in Phoenix. Hell yeah, very Damn, cool. Hell yeah. All right, Endo Killer Kush uh, comments. Hails to you from Germany. I love Murder Metal Mayhem, the best podcast for killers and heavy metal. Thanks for reminding me about heavy metal parking lots. So classic. <laughs> so yeah. Fuck yeah, Endo. Thanks, dude. And then we got, we got Rock Classic. Hey, dude, Always. Definitely, dude. Made into a segment. Right? Oh, yeah. And then we got uh, Roxanne Redmond says, I just listened to that Hakeem Kroll episode. Hakeem. <laughs> Uh, that guy was disgusting, but you guys always make it fun to be grossed out. I'm in Hartford, Connecticut. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Thanks, like Roxanne. that we can gross you out. Yeah. And, you know, Joaquin Kroll, definitely a fucking disgusting son of a bitch, you know. All right. Well, very cool. You could pick up a copy of my latest book, Slab of Sickness, Terror on the Tracks. Check the episode description for your way to get one with a poster and bookmark at PeteAltieri.com. Also, our MurderMetalMayhem.com. We mentioned that. That's our website. Get all kinds of good shit there. Joey, how about your distro, man? What's the latest? Hit me up. Everything's slow motion for me. Fucking getting my Gormager shit out. But I got the right. uh, Holy Cost and Blondie Fesser, Boobies, Beer, and Booger Sugar, Machete Dildo's new one. Uh, I got some other shit uh, that I need to put up in the fucking um, merch list. But... Yeah, hit me up. I got some shit. Fucking, I am getting close to getting the new Gormager shit out, though. If uh, if anybody wants to, it was pretty cool. I actually had somebody hit up my band camp, and I think on Fridays they do, like, fucking free Fridays or whatever where they don't yeah, really take out fees. they waive their fees, yeah. Yeah, and I had somebody basically give me 50 bucks for, like, most of all my albums, which is cool for the fact that everything that's on my fucking Bandcamp, except for my newest album, is available for free anyway. So him giving me fifty bucks was just like fucking donations, really cool. basically. Yeah. yeah. So because they let you pay what you want if you want to, you know, to support the band, which is cool. right. But uh, so if anybody out there, you know, does the streaming thing and isn't really into like the physical merch and wants to hear the Gormonger shit, definitely go check out my Bandcamp because you can find everything I've got on there. So. Dude, I love Bandcamp. I got the app on my phone now. I use it all the time. I'm at least oh, buying yeah. an album a week on there, at least. Usually yeah. it's two or three because they're so cheap. They're like yep. five or six bucks, maybe ten at the most. And that's like, you know, the major label stuff, you know. So there's a lot of shit out there. And I like the the downloads because the MP3s are a higher quality. So when I use them on the show, so I'm trying to help out the cause by buying them. And if, yeah, if you do them on Fridays, not every Friday, but certain Fridays, they waive their fees on uh, on those days. So those are the days to do it because the band gets all the money Gets so 100%. that's great yeah exactly and i buy shirts that way too i bought as a matter of fact i just bought a, a band shirt uh using their band camp app so i mean there's all kinds of merch on there i mean it's quite a bit of stuff and you could subscribe to them so you stay up on if they got a new shirt coming out or a new cd you'll find out about it with a notification so it's just good oh, shit yeah. all right um so i'll link to joey's distro in the episode description you can like us on our Facebook group page. We got a Twitter, uh, YouTube channel. We got our Patreon to support the show, so we appreciate that. And all that stuff's in the episode description. Yeah. 
We can't let him go without hearing a karaoke song, so crank this shit up. And until next time, keep one foot in the gutter and keep your penis in its place.